Welcome to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. My name is Jenna Fox, and my approach to these conversations, it's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. My way of being in the world is really influenced by my identity as a queer mama, adoptee, and witch raised in fundamental Christianity, as well as professionally as I'm steeped in the world of academia, teaching human development college classes to young people. We're talking teenagers who dropped out of high school and my licensure as a mental health counselor with a strong background in crisis work. The tarot though, man, it feels like it's the bedrock, the story underneath all of these layers that I so closely identify with. And that's what I'm here for. The conversations that I have as an introvert on this journey, where I'm talking to you, where I'm talking to others, that's what I'm here for. Let's discover that bedrock. So I've titled this episode, Confronting My Shadow, Ted Bundy Was a Leo Rising. And before I really launch into my exploration of this topic, I just wanted to say that there is, it seems in our society, an over um, examination or kind of an obsession with some of the dark and the gore. And I think about how people seem to be obsessively following serial killers, much like what this podcast is going to be talking about as far as the cultural phenomenon of Ted Bundy, the serial killer, um, and how there was a docu-series um, just recently released um, uh, by Netflix on him. And that people send, tend to, you know, really gravitate towards some pretty horrific crime shows like Law and Order SVU or Criminal Intent or Criminal Minds. And that that seems to then play out in the general public where there is like less compassion or empathy or resources or um, acknowledgement or stories for the people who have been perpetrated against who have experienced these crimes um, and then there's more of a discussion around the actual person the perpetrator um, either letting them off the hook or kind of making them into uh, infamous um, I won't say heroes but sort of idolizing their um, the gore and the the destruction. Um, so that being said, I am going to be talking about um, Ted Bundy today and his natal chart um, as I have come across some information that feels pretty personal to my own um, way of being in the world. And what I can promise of in this podcast is that I'm not going to be going into any sort of graphic um, over-the-top discussion of the violence. Um, however, it is something that I think that listeners should be aware of, that I will be talking about someone who is pretty, um, I would say, evil um, in their way of being in the world. Um, and so if this is, is something that you, you know, just feel triggered by, or like this is a topic that you're just like, I can't deal with this. I don't really want to explore, um, explore it. Then, um, you know, maybe uh, take a listen to a different episode or find a different podcast today because um, I am going to be talking a lot about myself in relationship to Ted Bundy's needle chart. Okay. So 
I want to give you a little context for why this is something that is, is interesting to me um, or something that I've been wrestling with in the last couple of weeks. So I grew up in Seattle, um, a little bit north of the actual Seattle city proper. For those of you that don't really understand or know um, the Seattle area, there's the city of Seattle. And then for the longest time, it's it's, it's the city of Seattle is settled in um, King County. And King County is a pretty big county. It takes about two hours to drive across um, with some traffic. And I know that because I used to be a crisis counselor that had to drive from one end of the county to the other, depending on um, crises that were happening in um, the community. And so I grew up in this little suburb um, north of the city where it was actually um, considered unincorporated King County until I was in elementary school. And my family was a part of kind of canvassing and making it so that this little piece of the unincorporated King County actually ended up a part of this little tiny suburb called Lake Forest Park, which was its own city. And so when I was a kid, you know, I would I would look out my bedroom window. I lived in a two-story house. Um, it was a beige house at the end of a cul-de-sac um, in a neighborhood called Horizon View. And if you aren't familiar with the history of Seattle during the Cold War, there were actually um, Nike missile bases. And they were um, set up along the, um, the West Coast to try and... Um, prevent, you know, a, a nuclear attack by what was then the Soviet Union. And so <clears throat> the housing develop that, uh, development that I grew up in, Horizon View, was actually um, built on one of those old Nike um, missile sites. And right behind my house, so my, my bedroom was on the second story, and I would look out my bedroom window as a kid and I would see pretty much undisturbed old growth forest. So really tall Douglas fir, western red cedar, um, a lot of blackberry bushes and the the property that was right behind my house, it was a dead end um, that butted up against our house was undeveloped cemetery land. So. It was um, a veteran cemetery that had part of it developed and then the rest was just left in this like wild overgrowth state. Um, and I was acutely aware, I think as my, my young self with my intuitive gifts, that it was um, a cemetery, that it was designated somewhere for um, dead people to reside. And growing up, there were... Um, I was I was very afraid of what I thought were wolves, um, which actually were coyotes. They would howl at night, and one um, one uh, weekend, my parents went away, and we had a babysitter who had talked about how in this undeveloped cemetery land there were some some roads um, or some paths, and that there had been an attempted kidnapping. Um, so that there was like a van in the forest that had tried to um, kind of lure my babysitter's friend. And so I was growing up in the 1980s. So I was born in 1982, a little bit north of Seattle. And it was, you know, in the early 90s that I was in elementary school. And 
the entire community, I would say, was very, was terrified of kidnappings and murder. Um, it was, it was something that was both talked about explicitly, you know, don't be, don't talk to strangers. There was kind of a lot of fear and suspicion and, and um, it's only now really in hindsight that I've been thinking about how that was a product of sort of the environment that had happened in the Seattle area in about, you know, the 10 years or five years prior to um, me being born. So I was a kid when I first heard the name Ted Bundy and my um, parents and my adoptive parents, they actually both went to the University of Washington and they met there in a child psychology class. And my dad was a fraternity brother. So he was in the Teak House, which was the Ta Kappa Epsilon um, house. And I remember him talking about when I was, a, when I was young or overhearing him talking about how he had to walk his sorority sisters home um, because they were afraid of being, um, you know, kidnapped or murdered because it was during the time that Ted Bundy was going on a serial killing spree in the Seattle area. And so I've recently watched the, the Ted Bundy um, Netflix documentary, and I have a, a greater appreciation for um, the experience that my dad lived through having one of his sorority sisters um, escaped um, being, you know, attempted kidnapping by Ted Bundy and just sort of that the general fear that was happening in the Seattle area at the time um, in the in the early 1970s so we're like 1973 1974 so in case you don't know what i'm talking about um which it wouldn't surprise me right like not everyone lives in this in this um the Seattle area or even in america would know about this um famous serial killer so I wanted to give you just a little bit of background information of who I keep talking about this Ted Bundy character. So Ted Bundy was born on November 24th, 1946 at 1035 PM in Burlington, Vermont. So that is the, the information that, that is needed for a natal chart, right? And so he was originally um, raised by his maternal grandparents for the first few years of his life, uh, which sounds like it was pretty tumultuous. Um, and his biological mom, he believed was his sister growing up. So in the Netflix documentary, they mentioned that Ted Bundy found out at age 14 um, that he was considered, you know, an Ill illegitimate child and that there wasn't a father on his birth certificate um, and that his sister was really his mother um, and that she had given birth to him at a home for unwed mothers. So Ted Bundy is not the only um, serial killer who uh, has adoption as a central storyline into his life. There's actually some interesting, um, and I say interesting in like, it's a sad um, statistic that I, I know from my research in graduate school and counseling 
that there's an overrepresentation of adoptees, um, either infant adoption or, you know, um, family adoption or um, foster care adoption um, that are overrepresented overrepresented in the mental health setting and then also as um, in in the population of serial killers. So you can do a quick Google search and find that many, um, many serial killers were adoptees. And I don't want to draw any sort of causal um, effects there, but I think it is an interesting thing for people to, um, to mull over in their brain. Um, so he moved to, to Tacoma, Washington. So whereas I lived, you know, 20 minutes north of the city, he was growing up um, in the 40s uh, and into the 50s, 1950s, um, in, uh, 20, 30 minutes south of Seattle. And his sister or his his mother, who he had believed to be his sister, um, married a man named John Bundy and they had more kids together. So he was formally adopted by um, Johnny Bundy. And um, after having been raised by his grandparents for the first few years of his life. Um, so he grew up and out of this um, kind of tumultuous childhood and became one of the most notorious serial killers in the 20th century. In fact, according to the Netflix documentary, um, the term serial killer really hadn't been used um, before Ted Bundy. Um, and, you know, as somebody who's grown up really in the digital age and thinking about how quickly we can, can kind of connect the dots um, with finding a digital trail for things, it was it was fascinating to watch how um, the p police and the FBI and the cross um, state communication was so limited um, in the 1970s. So, Ted Bundy grew up in Tacoma, Washington, and he studied psychology at the University of Washington, and then he enrolled in law school. He also worked for the police as a consultant in the years before he was even suspected in the kidnappings and murders of some of the Seattle co-eds um, and teenagers at Lake Sammamish State Park. And he even worked at, as um, a crisis counselor at the crisis clinic, which is the same crisis clinic that would dispatch me as a crisis counselor into King County. So there's kind of this Ted Bundy has been a part of the story that's kind of been swirling around since I was a child. Um, and then, you know, watching this, watching this movie and getting some more of those like details um, of his life and upbringing um, was just really, really interesting um, and kind of unsettling to me. So in the documentary, he talks in the third person and um, in 1989, like right before he was executed in Florida, um, that the person who would have um, perpetrated these crimes would have kill, um, killed across six states and that there would be bodies in the three digits, although there are only um, 36 known victims um, or confirmed cases of Ted Bundy. So... I remember back to being a college graduate. I, after I got my um, undergrad at Central Washington University, where one of um, Ted Bundy's victims had been taken, um, it was something that I remember late at night walking. There was a bridge, um, it was near Bardo Hall, and um, 
kind of the the discussion on the campus was you know that was where you know ted bundy had had been and there was just kind of this eerie looming um around you know sort of it it, it followed me um but I was in, um, I had graduated from college and I was driving with my parents to celebrate my 22nd birthday. And we were heading to Cannon Beach in a little, which is a little tourist town on the Oregon coast. And I spent most of my time in, in the car with them talking about serial killers and asking them questions. Um, my dad worked for CBS at the time. And so, you know, we would watch CBS um, shows, which one of them was Criminal Minds and CSI. And I was just like fascinating. Like I hated how gruesome the stories were. And yet I really was trying to figure out, um, especially coming from the, my Christian upbringing, I was really trying to figure out what made people evil. Was it, was it demons? What was it the devil that made them do it? Were they just born this way? Was there something wrong in their brain? Was it, was it something that had happened in their early childhood or in their late childhood? Were they abused in some ways? And I just kept asking like, okay, but why? And every time a hypothesis would thrown out, I would just kind of take it to that next, okay, but why? Okay, but why? And uh, about an hour and a half or two hours into uh, the car ride, I remember that my parents were just kind of getting pretty uncomfortable with my um, continued question. I now think about how I am with my with my young children, my elementary school and my toddler, where they're just like, why, why, why? It's like, oh, just like, just be quiet already. Can we just enjoy the, the drive and not be talking about the inner workings of a serial killer's mind? Um, but why, but why? I can't stop asking that question around other people, um, but also as it relates into my own, um, my own mind and my own um, heart or soul or um, my way of being in the world, I just keep asking the question why. So I actually think that I went into graduate school for counseling, partially to understand my own mind and um, to try to make sense of the minds around me. Um, so, um, you know, I had felt kind of like uh, growing up that I was an outsider or an other, and I just couldn't quite fit into the human existence. Uh, for a while, I really liked the term solipsist, which I had heard in my high school English class, um, where a main character of a book uh, wrestled with the belief that like, he could only know his own self and his own mind. And so everything else was just kind of a projection of that. So here I am as an adult, 36 years old, watching this Ted Bundy documentary with uh, fascination and horror, like I do most crime shows. Um, and it was, um, it's, it's been something that people have been talking about. Um, it was just newly released and it's kind of all over the place. And a friend on Instagram posted an image of Ted Bundy's natal chart and I was just stopped dead in my tracks, which is a terrible, awful pun that I did not mean to make. Um, the screenshot of Ted Bundy's natal chart, just a brief glance, and I am not a natal chart expert, but Ted Bundy was a Leo rising. And that shocked me. And 
made me want to record this podcast episode. And so I took down um, all of his natal chart details and I then put it into astro.com and I chose whole signs because that's what I'm what I'm working with right now um, to try and kind of wrap my my brain around um, as natal charts in a in a clearer way Placidus makes things a little bit um, fuzzier for my brain to like look at and decipher and so I was also shocked then not just thinking about how Ted Bundy was a Leo rising and being able to look at the shadow aspect of this, um, this ascendant sign that I so deeply feel is um, a beautiful way of being in the world. But I also realized in looking at his chart that Ted Bundy was also a Sagittarius sun, a Sagittarius moon, and had Jupiter and Scorpio in the fourth house, which in case this is maybe your first time listening to this podcast, I'm a Sagittarius sun, a Sagittarius moon, a Leo rising, and I have Jupiter in Scorpio in the fourth house, and I am also an adoptee. So I kind of sat there for a minute, like shocked look on my face, just sort of dumbfounded, like this, this terrible awful person that I have been curious about and researching my whole life and hearing stories to look at the natal chart and see as far as an astrological chart goes we have several things in common um those are the four things that we have in common and of course there's clearly other things that we do not have in common but I see this as um an exercise in confronting um and confronting my own shadow, like looking in a mirror and noticing um, some of the dark parts of my own soul. So I wanted to kind of run through what each of those four signs um, say about the sign and then kind of um, dive into how maybe they manifest in my life. Um, so Sun and Sagittarius, according to the only astrology book you'll ever need, is all about enthusiasm and fire and independence and having a restless spirit and eager to get on with the, biz the business of living and thriving in a constant change of scene. Sort of this grass is always greener, restless, inquiring nature requires travel, excitement, and the unconventional, and that they're hard to pin down emotionally. High-spirited, jovial, good conversationalist, and born entertainer. One of the most likable signs in the Zodiac, which when I read that, I, it made me think about sort of this cult following of Ted Bundy at his trial, how people were really um, dumbfounded that somebody who on the surface seemed so uh, likable and charming, albeit growing up a little bit weird and... Um, and standoffish and awkward and didn't just quite fit in. Um, so how this shows up in my life, the Sagittarius sun is in kind of continuously starting new projects like, you know, or, or trying adventurous things like going barefoot for a year in college or, um, also, you know, like wearing a, the same black dress for an entire month. Some of these sociological experiments that I've done. I also struggle to talk about my feelings, but I'm really good at talking about what I think about my feelings. So intellectualizing um, my feelings rather than really um, 
kind of feeling them and expressing them. And, you know, Ted Bundy, uh, he represented himself in court. He traveled the country kidnapping and murdering women. And when he was locked in jail, he managed to escape twice just because he hated to be confined. And so I see his life and his way of manifesting this Sagittarius sun. And, um, I, I can feel viscerally in my body, this desire for escape. Um, when I watch the scene of him, um, you know, calculated impulsivity. Um, so him kind of thinking through how he would escape, uh, when, when my life gets hard and parenting is a challenge and I get, I feel confined by domestic life and there's too many goldfish crackers, I can really resonate with that idea of like wanting to escape, wanting to travel, wanting to get out of here, um, not wanting to be pinned down. And yet I'm not a serial killer, right? So Let's talk about Sagittarius moon. Um, Sagittarius moon envisions great goals, then undaunted by possible failure sets out to achieve them, rarely listening to pitfalls or drawbacks, um, which is, I think, one of the ways that I'm able to, uh, people sometimes ask me how I get essays published or um, start a podcast. And I think some of that is, uh, I just want to do the thing and I don't care about what other people in my life are thinking about. Um, people with Sagittarius moon tend to have a quick mind with extraordinary insight and an ability to get things done in a flash. And so looking at um, this, this dark side in um, Ted's case, it manifested as kidnapping. Um, and there was one particular case where he kidnapped two women um, from Lake Sammamish State Park during a 40,000 person event. And so that was really shocking is that like publicly doing this, um, it wasn't just a creeping into um, bedrooms though that happened. Um, and, uh, but doing it kind of publicly introducing himself as Ted, not really trying to hide anything, but like impulsively doing things, um, in things quickly. Um, the book goes on to say that people with a Sagittarius moon, their charm and geniality have a knack for making friends and social gaiety sweeps others along on a tidal wave of goodwill, witty with words and a buoyant sense of humor, which I observed watching the tapes of Ted Bundy um, in his political career um, or even how he spoke with people while on trial. There wasn't this like downtrodden um, sort of uh woe is me, poor me. He's, he maintained this sense of humor, um, which was deeply unsettling to me to watch. Um, and what's interesting is looking at this combination of sun and moon sign and how, you know, and a, a natal chart, um, isn't, isn't predictive, right? It's, it's this personal exploration and looking at, um, the different aspects of how it, it manifested and wanting to believe that there's free will in how um, we choose to engage with and explore our, our personalities. Um, and 
in this, this Sagittarius moon, I think for me, I'm able to um, hold space in my classroom um, to create sort of this atmosphere of, um, of a sense of humor. And I think that I often come across to people that know me in person as um, maybe jovial or humorous or sarcastic, um, but I deeply, I have a deeply sensitive nature inside. Um, and uh, that isn't always shown. And so I think about that, like that, uh, that mask or the projection um, people were shocked that Ted Bundy was a serial killer because the mask or the projection um, that he showed to the world was different than maybe um, the darkness or the insecurity that he felt inside. So it now takes us to, you know, uh, the name of the podcast, the Leo rising and um, where I kind of actually started. So the first sentence in the book around uh, Leo rising, the the only um, astrology book you would ever need is Leo rising signifies nobility of character and high ideals and a great personal magnetism, big hearted and expansive, benevolent and kind. And I was reading that and I was like, um, okay, so those are pretty lofty ideals that I don't think I'm uh, living up to uh, myself. Um, and I'm not quite sure how this notorious serial killer could be embodying um, any of that, except maybe the personal magnetism that people were attracted to him. Um, but reading, like reading further, it talked about the shadow side um, of not being especially hard workers, but achieving success through influence and pull of others, which was... Um, which was actually shown in the documentary where uh, Ted Bundy attached himself to Republican Party candidates and was really rubbing shoulders with the pretty famous people. And um, kind of, you know, it's not that he wasn't working hard, but that he was kind of in the right place and time to be shown some, um, some special, um, some special treatment. And and then um, the the book continues to say that Leo Risings can have enthusiasm and generosity, um, creative self-expression, um, but then can also encourage egotism, arrogance, conceit, condescension, um, which I think you could probably see how <laughs> a killer could be um, accused of those things. But I think about, you know, as I'm exploring this and um, wanting to examine my own shadow, it makes me think all the way back to episode one when I talk about Carol and Mrs. archetype cards, that one of the, the archetypes that I have that I would say that I have in my, um, my soul or my way of being in the world is the queen. And if you think about in fairy tales and mythology, there the queen in, in its uh, light side and its, um, you know, positive attributes would be a benevolent ruler, sort of maybe more of like the tarot card, the empress, um, being able to kind of uh, be receptive and receiving and benevolent and kind. But often when we think about a queen in a fairy tale, it is, um, you know, the queen of hearts or the, the evil stepmother queen in Snow White or pretty much any of the fairy tales, right? And so, I know that in my life, I have the um, the ability to kind of hold a benevolence and an open heartedness. Um, and then I do also have this cruel streak 
in my mind or um, even if it's never enacted in the same way um, it it is it's there that I know that I can have a sharp tongue and sometimes I'm really demanding in my in my family life specifically that doesn't leave a lot of room um, it's like I come in with a, a fireball and um, I hurt people and I say things that aren't always kind um, and are, are maybe not just mean, but kind of cut to the core of somebody's insecurity. And so um, that is that is something that I hold and I know to be true about myself and I don't like to look at it and I don't like to share it. Um, now, before we... Uh, move on to sort of looking at the astrological sign or one of the astrological signs that Ted Bundy and I don't have in common. I was reading um, on the internet at jessicadavis.co.uk about Jupiter and Scorpio. And she says, um, Jupiter and Scorpio is where expansive Jupiter heats up passionate power hungry Scorpio, which is the sign of sex and emotional bonds and shared finances and explores death. Um, so because I'm using the whole sign system and our ascendants, our rising signs are in Leo, it means that Scorpio is our fourth house, which governs family life. Um, so it's not an explanation or a justification, but in whole sides, Ted Bundy's Chiron, which is all about a wound to be worked out in the lifetime is also in Scorpio in the fourth house um where his jupiter is and where my jupiter is although my chiron and so this is where i'm veering away from what we have in common to what is maybe different um and the the chiron wound um for Ted Bundy in Scorpio in the 4th house is according to Jessica Davis um a wound in perception to death which could manifest like dark moods, paranoia, and the world is out to get you. Fear of loss and death due to being disconnected from spirit, defensive walls from being hurt, protective of people with sometimes being vindictive, manipulative, destructive, or jealous, self-destructiveness and desire to be unattached to material world and a preoccupation with death and dying. And so... Honestly, when I started down this rabbit trail of um, exploring um, this this shadow um, needle chart, um, I had noticed that we had this these first big three things, the sun, the moon, the rising um, in, con in common. But I'd actually started um, when I was doing the research with this wound of Chiron to kind of inform my reading of the rest of the chart. Um, and as I read that, it seemed um, going back to like a wound and perception to death and dark moods and paranoia and the world out to get you. Um, those all seemed to make sense. Um, and so, but so what, right? I haven't, I haven't really come to any conclusions and I really don't want to use astrology natal charts to justify uh, mass murder or serial killing or, um, you know, any, um, any violence. Um, 
And I'm, I'm still really in this place where I keep asking, okay, but why, but why? To be able to look at somebody's chart like this and to see how the pieces of their life can fit into this chart um, and can show, you know, this map of the sky from when they were born. Um, but what flips inside someone to act out like this instead of acting out in a different way, right? Um, I can I can look at brain scans um, and I can I can talk about empathy and I can um, talk about statistics of adoptees um, in the mental health system and I can look all of that but like or I can I can think about the world in the way that I was raised of being um, you know that there's demons and um, evil and that um, I think then of my own my own brain and you know a couple of episodes ago when um when you heard uh, me read my piece ballerina brain um i think of how i have intrusive images and i know that they are part of ocd um and ted bundy was diagnosed with bipolar disorder which makes me sad and angry to even say that because there are so many people that live with mental illness that are actually most people that live with mental illness are actually the recipients of violence and not the ones perpetrating it um and i know that it can make someone's life more difficult when they have a, a, a label in the mental health diagnosis um because then people can feel like you're bad or scary or wrong or evil or whatever um and so I keep, I keep asking, okay, but why, but why, what happened? What, what happened? Um, why was he like this? Um, because I know part of my OCD is, is it's harm OCD and it is intrusive images. And so it's like, um, if you, you know, are watching TV and you see a commercial of somebody texting and driving and then out of nowhere, there's like a car crash, um, those awful images that kind of flood into your brain um, is how I'm often living my life, especially in times of stress. And so I can be driving down the freeway and I see out of my eyes the road and me driving and whatever. And then in my mind, I'm also seeing myself crashing off the bridge or, um, you know, into the barrier. And both of those things are existing simultaneously. Um, and it's and it's scary and it's awful. It's it's never like happy scenes that are flooding into my brain. Um, and so I think about that as far as like it's showing up in my own natal chart. But then um, why does somebody go from maybe having that, having those feelings or thoughts or fears or whatever to being um, a mass murderer, a serial killer, a, a violent perpetrator? Um, and so I think that that's where, you know, um, my healing journey is kind of trying to integrate my dark side and bring it out into the light. Um, talk about the things that are scary to me um, in order to be seen and to be um, to, to let other people to know that they are not alone. Um, and I say all of that in no way to justify the terrible, awful, horrific acts that were done um, to these women to these women um, and that continue to be done by different people. Um, so in 1989, Ted Bundy was sentenced to death um, in the electric chair in Florida. And before we go 
today, I just wanted to, to read um, the list of women. And there are probably hundreds more, according to um, Ted Bundy's third person confession. But as part of what I want to do is bringing the stories into the light is I don't want to stay in the darkness and I don't want to stay with um, just the question of why um, somebody could be evil, but also think about the what could have been for the people who were living in the light. So wherever you are, I just want you to take uh, a moment if you're um, in a place where you can um, close your eyes um, and to just send, um, you know, some positive um, love to the family members who are still dealing with um, the tragic loss of their um, daughters and sisters and friends. So Anne-Marie Burr and Karen Sparks and Linda Ann Healy and Donna Gail Manson and Susan Rancourt and Roberta Parks, and Brenda Baker, and Brenda Ball, and Georgianne Hawkins, and Janice Ott, and Denise Nasland, and Lisa Wick, and Rita Jolly, and Vicki Holler, Nancy Wilcox, Melissa Ann Smith, Lori Ann Aim, Carol DeRanch, Deborah Kent, Karen Campbell and Julie Cunningham and Melanie Cooley and Shelley Robertson and Denise Oliverson and Lynette Culver and Susan Curtis, Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy and Karen Chandler and Kathy Kleiner and Cheryl Thomas and Kimberly Leach. And for any of the women who were brutally murdered by Ted Bundy, who are so far missing or unaccounted for or unnamed, I take a moment to honor their lives as well. I think it's important for us to spend time thinking about and wrestling with our own darkness and bringing it out into the light. And so we can have more light in the world. Um, and so that the Leo rising that I represent and the Sagittarius sun and the Sagittarius moon um, and the Jupiter in the fourth house of Scorpio and that I take my wounds and I transform them into healing in the world rather than to in destructiveness in the world. So with that, I will leave you all and I am happy to um, field emails or DMs on Instagram if this uh, podcast brought up any um, any feelings for you where you feel like you want to or thoughts or questions you want to share with me. So I will talk with you all next time. Hey friends, thanks for listening to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived, so feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting, but much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years, so know that there isn't a tarot um Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. 
And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.